welcome back to the show, my very dear friend and mentor, Arthur Laffer. Dr. Arthur Laffer is chairman of Laffer Associates. He's also a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. He is also the most important economist of the last, I don't know, could be the last hundred years, could be more than that. Anyway, Arthur, thank you for your time. It is my pleasure. I come to you today from an outer galaxy, not from the solar system, (laughs) just so you know. You understand that stuff. I don't really know what the hell it is. It is is really cool. In fact, the show is really cool. You've got a lot of stuff, even during the breaks. The information is really cool. I mean, the analysis of Putin, it's, it's, it's a really cool show, Larry. Well, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Art, we had a string of very bad inflation numbers. As you know, the CPI, the PPI, and import prices, it looks like there's no relief in sight. I want to visit with you on this for a bit. First of all, why is inflation skyrocketing in your view? What's the cause of this? I really don't know what the cause is, Larry. I honestly don't. But what I do know is the dynamic, and the dynamic is explosive. Uh, If you look at the monthly changes, you know, we look at the headline number as a year-over-year change uh, of of inflation, whether it be the PPI, producer's price index, or the consumer price index, or spot commodities, or whatever you look at. And what it shows is that all the monthly changes are way above the moving average, which means that this inflation number is accelerating quite dramatically. If you look at, let's say, in October, November, what the inflation numbers will be like, the numbers dropped out of the series uh, because they're dropped out of the yearly change are very low, which means that you're going to see a lot more inflation coming on just before the election. And if you look at the producer price index, it's way above the consumer price index, which means that inflation is being pushed from the industrial background into the consumer stages. So you know, all over the place, monetary policy is outrageous. It's conducive to inflation. So when I look at this, I have this inkling that we're going back to the late 1970s and maybe even worse. So let's let's talk about that. I was did a I was on my pal Brian Kilmeade, uh, Fox Great News. Guys. Yeah, he's a wonderful man, and I taped a segment for his Saturday night show. And he asked me, you know, about the Reagan inflation uh, or what Reagan, I'm sorry, really the Reagan solutions to inflation. Yes, that's correct. So, Art, I said, he, here's what I said. You, you can critique this, tell me uh, right or wrong in emphasis. I said, first of all, Reagan gave Volcker the ground to stand on, strengthen the value of the dollar and cut back on the money supply. Second of all, uh, Reagan decontrolled oil prices and instead of going to a hundred dollars a barrel from 40 it went to ten dollars a barrel in a couple years and third of all reagan slashed tax rates across the board which eventually produced strong growth on the supply side of the economy so that contributed to lower inflation as well as reviving growth now those are my you know quick things those three Um, points are exactly on target they're precise. <clears throat> the only thing I would have mentioned as well is the political process allowed Volcker to raise interest rates way above the inflation rate to allow monetary base to grow much more slowly. So the restriction of money, you had more output, uh, less money growth, which means more goods and less money means that inflation comes under control. What also happened, Larry, if you'll remember, is that it didn't happen overnight. 
It took a long time right. to bring that inflation down to reasonable levels. So we're here today without any of the wonderful things you described that happened under Reagan uh, and uh, no recognition that this is a long process. Once it's built in, these things are very hard to turn around. It's going to take a couple of years. Oh, at least. It yeah. took Reagan probably four years, Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we brought the interest rates down. When we took office on January 20th, 81, the prime interest rate was 21.5%. We aren't close to where that is yet. So we have a lot of time to go. We have the elections in November, and that will hopefully change the House and the Senate, but it won't change the presidency. Uh, I don't imagine the presidency or the Fed ever changing their views on this. They're too proud and too ignorant to be able to do it. And then you have to wait till the presidential election in 24. So I am looking at the potential of a very serious inflation for a lot of years to come. No guarantees on that, but that is my fear, and you can see why. You know, I, I look, I agree with you. I don't you've got guys on Wall Street saying, well, by the end of the year, the inflation rate's going to be down to three or four percent. I don't see that. I don't either. Where's no. that coming from? Well, it may it may happen, but I don't see it. There <laughs> none of the preconditions have changed in such a way as to warrant such a forecast. They're going to have to raise their target rate well above the inflation rate. Exactly. That's what really was the key to Volcker's success in bringing that inflation down on the money side. That's key. I know. They raised the target rate by one quarter of one percent. Big deal. They may go 50 basis points uh, at the meeting next month, but they're still so far behind the curve. That's what's so troubling about this. And it's not only behind the curve. The curve is accelerating faster than they are accelerating. They're falling further and further behind the curve. And it's just very and, – and, you know, they're, 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 they're arrogant. They've got hubris. Uh, when you look at Powell, Larry, and you remember the conversations with the president about Powell, but he's not up for the job. He's not a Paul Volcker. He's not a McChesney Martin. You know, he's not a, 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 an Alan Greenspan. He's really not. And so you've got poor leadership at the presidency, at the tax level, and at the Fed level. So I don't see any of these people saying that inflation at the end of the year is going to be 3 or 4%. They may be right, I mean, but I sure don't see it. You know, the argument for Jay Powell was let's back Powell because any substitute is going to be worse. But that's always a very bad argument. It's terrible. And and remember – People forget this, but look, Jimmy Carter did appoint Paul Volcker. He did. Now, he, he didn't give him. He didn't give him the backing that Reagan gave him, to be sure. But he did appoint. In other words, this, you know, they they have not yet voted officially on the Jay Powell thing, and he doesn't really deserve to be uh, renominated for a second term as Fed chair because he botched this so badly. He botched it, Art, and the Fed and the Fed staff are still making excuses and giving up hopes where they don't exist. I mean, it's a kind of institutional arrogance that is remarkable. And hubris is what I call it. But you're completely right. They've got a bad model, and they're doubling down on a very bad model. And they just don't have the leadership skills to be able to recognize a mistake and not make it again and then do the right thing. They just don't have that ability. Is this, uh, is this actually a stagflation? Well, it's coming into one. It's coming into one very rapidly. 
I mean, if you look at employment growth or any of these other growth numbers, the growth rates are dropping very sharply. In employment, Larry, we aren't even yet to the level of employment we had prior to the pandemic in, right. in February of 2020. We're still 2 million jobs short of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everyone talks about the rebound and the jump up, and, you know, it is, but, you know, it should have been a much faster rebound from the pandemic low. But it's not been. And GDP growth, the loss in GDP growth from trend on February of 2020 uh, has been, uh, you know, continuous and greater. I mean, all of these things point to stagflation of a very serious magnitude. Now, the big question is, does it turn into a recession? Well, I, you know, I don't know what a recession means in this type of situation when you're starting at such a low base. But, yes, the, the answer simply is GDP growth. GDP is not where it should be. It, the lev, it's way below the potential line, and it, it probably or could easily go a little bit lower. But it's so low that dropping even further is just shocking. Is unemployment going to go up in this uh, scenario? Well, so far they paid everyone not to work. So n- no, not so far because uh, all they do is guarantee anyone who goes off of the work, quits their job, is going to be fine with but with payments from the government. I mean, and now uh, what happens at Davos? I think uh, Biden's now going to do Build Back Better for the World. <laughs> Based on its success, here it's just all. shocking, Larry. Just, <laughs> no, it's, it's the old phrase now. I'm here in Kentucky today with you, and it's just no brains, no headache. These guys don't even know they're stupid. That's fabulous. And it's just bad economics. I mean, in Econ 1, you were taught all these things were wrong. I mean, you can't tax the economy into prosperity. That's stupid. A poor person can't spend himself into wealth. That's also stupid. And you look at all of this stuff, and as Larry Gatlin here says, it ain't rocket surgery. It's mm-hmm. just plain common sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they refuse to admit it because they they hate right-wingers more than anything on earth. But, you know, now it's extending way beyond just ideological bounds. They're going really to the wall, and it's it's scary. What um, You're right about the jobs. There are about 152 or 153 million uh, civilian employment pre-pandemic, That's we're right. several million below that now. Exactly. So actually... 151 right now. So actually, right, what you got is people are returning to work, but you're not creating new jobs. No, there are no new jobs. If you were the creating the jobs, there would be 100, 154 and a half million. So, so we're probably three and a half, four million off where we should be on trend. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. What? How do you solve this problem where you have um, job openings are over 11 million, but they're only about 6 million plus unemployed? Yeah. That's a very bad differential. And I, I don't and know how the reason for it is that. really simple. It's because, you know, the, the wages that people receive after taxes and benefits and cut off of welfare and all of that stuff are so low that they don't want to work. Mm-hmm. And the, even though the employers are trying to employ them, they've still got all these costs associated with it. So there's a huge wedge that has been driven between the demand for labor and the supply of labor. And that's what you're seeing today is that huge wedge being driven there by welfare payments, by transfer payments, by all of this stuff, and by the prospects of taxes. And, you know, I don't know how to get it out except by a wholesale change in the political structure of mm-hmm. the country, a return to 
Trump or Reagan. We need to or Kennedy. Uh, and you wrote about that beautifully on, on uh, the book. But it's just we need to return to common sense economics. All right. All right. Stick with us. I want to take a break. And on the other side of the break, there's a headline this morning from the Tax Foundation website. Biden budget would raise income tax rates to the highest in the developed world. All right. I'm going to ask you about that on the other side of the break. Folks, we're talking to the great uh, Dr. Arthur Laffer, chairman at Laffer Associates, uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, uh, one of my dearest friends and my mentor. We'll be right back with more. I'm Kudlow. Please stick around. Larry Kudlow. Kids just want to get out in the world and have fun. But their lives have been put on hold. Getting them thriving again safely starts with protecting them from COVID-19 and dangerous new variants. Get the latest facts by speaking to your pediatrician or healthcare provider or by visiting getvaccineanswers.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Academy of Pediatrics. You want to give your baby everything, so start with a safe sleep area. Babies younger than one should always be placed to sleep on their backs on a firm and flat surface like a safety-approved crib. And keep blankets, pillows, and other soft or loose items out of the crib when the baby is in it. Learn more about Safe Sleep for Babies at safetosleep.nichd.nih.gov. Sponsored by the Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Father and Son with Curtis and Anthony Sliwa. This is Curtis Sliwa for the super spectacular podcast. It's called Father and Son. Features yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, and my son who actually interns here, Anthony, who's 17 years old, wants to shake me down for a brand new Dodge Charger. And I told him instead, go out and get a paper out, kid. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking to Dr. Arthur Laffer, Chairman and Chief Economist of Laffer Associates, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient, father of supply-side economics, and the Laffer Curve. Speaking of the Laffer Curve, so... The headline on the Tax Foundation website, Biden budget would raise income tax rate to highest in the developed world. That's a wonderful thing. And we're also, as an adjunct to that, record federal tax collections. I mean, revenues are pouring in because of inflation and because of the rebound from the pandemic. And also, Arthur, one thing that people don't ever talk about anymore Despite Biden's best efforts, the Trump tax cuts are still in place. It's really probably the only, uh, you know, stimulative measure in economic policy. I mean, try as they as they did, they couldn't overturn the corporate tax hike or the cap gains or the personal income tax cuts. So, Art, um, 
What would happen if Biden got his way? And we well, let me just say, Larry, it's because world. of you and Steve Boer and some others that they were unable to overturn the, the Trump tax cuts. And uh, we all thank you just profusely for what you did there. Well, uh, when and you Joe look Manson, at why the, don't forget Joe Manson. Why the revenues are so high. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of things, as you say, it's the Trump tax cuts, which paid for themselves right away. Uh, they paid for themselves in the first two years, and revenues were up substantially more than they had in the prior two years. Where, you know, So it's really paid for itself. It created a great economy. You can see that going on now. The inflation, as you say, is also true. We're pushing people into higher brackets and all that stuff, which is pretty awful. But the anticipation of Biden tax increases is also causing people to accelerate income into the present in order to not make that income when tax rates are much higher. It, it's a crazy world. And it reminds me of an old phrase that you want to protect life and limb. And sometimes you have to sacrifice a limb to protect life, <laughs> but never should you sacrifice a life to protect a limb. And the issue right now with Biden is they are sacrificing the life of the world economy, which is the U.S. They are putting us out to massive exposure uh, to problems here. And when we are the central nation of the world, and we are the one place that we can't allow to go fallow and not be the machine of prosperity in the future. You know, Art, people pulled income, I think, into the last quarter of last year. The GDP in the fourth quarter of 2021 was about 7%, and it looks like it's going to be about 1% in the first quarter. Exactly. So that argument, that model you have, looks like it's worked again. It really does. I mean, I do it personally. Uh, you know, when tax rates are prospectively rising, I'll, I'll, you know, I have a lot of control over my income with the firms that I work with. So I'll get prepaid three years worth of income, pay it on the taxes now, and then have no income when the tax rates go up. And I'm not alone. There are lots of people. When do you decide to repair your machinery? You don't repair your machinery in, in, in uh, low tax years. You repair your machinery in high tax years when you can afford the loss of income and you want to get those deductions. And, you know, all of this works to change the timing of income. And people really are efficient at doing it. You're so right on that. Well, it's just, you know, it's just an interesting point, but that's what the data uh, are showing. I don't know how the 1% in the first quarter is going to be explained away, if you will, but that's one important factor that people don't talk about. Now, the other thing is, in terms of the Lafferker, um what would happen if Biden got the corporate rate back to 28%, if he raised the capital gains taxes, if he had these you know, confiscatory wealth taxes on unrealized gains, if he raised the personal income tax, all of that was in Build Back Better. All that is repeated in his budget, uh, 36 tax hikes, um, $2.5 trillion. What would that do? You think? Yeah, well, the legislative additions are really terrible that he's got there, and that would not only play the film backwards, it would really destroy America's limited prosperity that we have right now, but... What I want to make sure you, you and, the, and the listeners understand is the current inflation in the U.S., 10 or 12 percent or whatever it is, depending on which index you use, but the current inflation is leading to a huge increase in the effective tax rate on capital gains, mm -hmm. which is one of the most sensitive items in, in the income stream of high-income people. They can choose when to realize their gains and when not to. 
and it also affects the productivity of the country. So we already have in store enormous increases in the capital gains tax rate because of illusory gains that will be taxed at the ordinary and highest rates. We never indexed capital gains tax. Never did. And you know you tried that very hard yep. in the White House. I supported you 100% on that. I think Mnuchin was even with us on that one, Larry. And well, um, he was, <laughs> I don't mean, don't know me. I wouldn't say he cheerleaded. I mean, he's a great pal of mine. But you, when we when we looked at it carefully, he was not opposed to it. He was never opposed to it. That's true. Trump and, loved um, it. Trump loved yeah, it. Yeah, and it was so correct. And I don't the, know why we couldn't have done it with an executive order. I thought we could have, to be honest. Oh, but God. We didn't. God help us from Treasury lawyers. That's That was the problem. Yeah, well, but, you know, probably hangovers from, uh, oh, well, God knows, probably hangovers from Karl Marx in 1387. <laughs> I mean, you Trump, know. It's, Trump, he, he, there are two things that Trump loved. One of them, mm-hmm. actually three things, but one of them was indexing capital gains. And the other one that I used to push is selling 100-year bonds at rock bottom interest rates, he yeah, loved well, it. The, he the loved other one it. you pushed very hard was the uh, was the waiver of the payroll tax. Yeah, yeah, I did. That was, was yours. Done a huge thing for this economy. Just no, huge. that was you. That was you. And well, Trump we both were to together on that. I mean, come on, it, you know, we it's a team. I have never found myself at odds with you in forty years working with you, Larry. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you've been one of my heroes, and you know, I just love working with you, and I love working for you, and I love working all over with you. It's we just. A great duo. But look at if you had these tax hikes, the, these are tax rate hikes that Biden is proposing. What would that do to tax revenues? It would lower it. it, it but, you know, with the inflation coming in, the nominal revenues uh, might go up, but mm-hmm. the real revenues will go way down. And what would that do to the economy? Are not rising like like these people say in the in the report. They just aren't. If you look at the stock market, you know, it's, oh, it's not. The stock market is declining at 10% per annum just because of inflation. Mm, yeah, right. No, right, and right, you know, right, that's not right. trivial. That's 33,500 points a year down. You know, that's 700 points down, of, uh, of, um, excuse me, that, you know, that's, what is it, 300 points down a month? Right. I mean, that's a lot of drop, yeah, 3, not to be points. included in the nominal numbers. So, you know, we're back to the 1970s where, where kids learned to do log tables just by looking at inflation and pricing in stores. Mm-hmm. And that is inflation, Larry. I really I, I don't mean to push it so hard, but it is a deadly serious problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any signs of it reversing. And what I don't happened? think you do either, do you? No, I, I don't. You know, I... I look at these monthly reports. We just had a batch last week. I didn't see one iota of evidence that inflation is easing. But there's no reason for inflation to ease because neither the federal government's spending policies nor the Federal Reserve's money policies have changed. That's precisely correct. Nor have really oil policies changed. Right. That's another. I mean, and oil is a price driver. You know, it's you can change the price of oil with fairly modest changes in the supplies falling into the market. And even though the president has released all of this oil from the oil uh, reserve, uh, it still hasn't made a massive impact on the price of oil. It's well over 100 bucks a barrel. Yeah, it snapped back to about $107 a barrel this week. Exactly. I mean, you know, and they're talking about now doing new drilling in Anwar or whatever it is up in Alaska. You know how long it takes to give those permits out 
uh, to have them go out and find the oil, then drill for it, then get the oil out, and then sell that oil. It takes a long time. This is not something that's going to affect the price of oil right away. Arthur Laffer, the best of the best. Seriously, the best of the best. I'm sorry I'm not going to be on your show on Monday, Larry. I really wish I could be there. We'll miss you. We'll miss you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.